Brands on Brands. In a world where content is king and your reputation is your brand, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands, a home for those that think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here is your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey, hey, what's up? Welcome to Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, and today is an interview show. Today, we are talking to Jonathan Federa, who has been in business financing for 14 years and has helped thousands of entrepreneurs get over $500 million in funds for their businesses. He founded the business Integrated Business Financing, which is a small business lending marketplace that specializes in getting businesses into the best financing programs they qualify for. So today, what are we talking about today? Well, it's all about business financing. If you haven't figured that out, it's how to get money for your business. Not just how to get it, but when you should get it. When's the right time to think about getting more money brought into your business? Should you get a loan? Should you get a line of credit? When should you do that? When should you avoid that? Uh, all those steps and more. And then who to talk to to get this ball rolling. Uh, all that super helpful advice for not just you, but for me too today. Uh, I love diving into this topic with our guest, Jonathan Federa. So without further ado, let's jump into the show. Brands on Brands. All right, let's get going. I'd like to welcome our guest to the show today, Jonathan Fedora. Welcome. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the reason I'm excited is we get to talk about obviously entrepreneurship, but really this idea of, you know, how do you find money for your business? How do you finance it? How do you keep the lights on? And I know, honestly, if you look at the stats of why a lot of businesses close, it's because they ran out of money. Uh, and we'd love that not to happen for our listeners out there. Uh, you know, we're big supporters of small business, entrepreneurs, local businesses, hustlers, you name it. So I think these topics are going to be hugely important for the people listening today. And I'll tell you, it's not something I think about a lot. So I'm excited to talk and ask my questions that I personally have about this area. So let's start with that. Let's start with this idea of, or the expertise of business financing, the topic of business financing. What is it in your vocabulary? How do you describe it to people and why is it important? Oh, business financing is anytime you're going to take money to, uh, you know, grow the business or for emergencies, but financing incorporates a lot of different things, right? SBA loans, term loans, lines of credit, working capital lines, equipment financing, invoice factor. So when people are operating a business, it's very important to understand what's available and then understand, you know, where you currently stand. And then based on where you stand and what you're trying to accomplish, that's how you kind of determine what program you should apply for. And a lot of people kind of get misled. I don't want to say misled, but when they go and they look for financing, they're just pulling up something online. They're searching Google. And what happens is, and you're obviously in marketing, you know, lead aggregators. So more often than not, they find a lead aggregator and their information gets resold and resold. And so you never know what you're going to get instead of actually searching for experts that have a, a history and a track record. So, yeah, that that's what I consider business financing. Hey, how do we get from A to B? And, and what do you need to do that? And 
you know, what's the best program that's going to help you do that? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think what I'm hearing is a lot of new terms for me, right? Yeah. There's and a lot of different ways because in my mind, there's like a loan, right? But obviously there's a lot of ways to get funded. So maybe we can break those down into maybe a few categories that are more common that you run across all the time, just to explain them to people a little bit, like the differences. I love it. So we'll start with an SBA loan. An SBA loan is basically the gold standard of uh, of business loans. It's backed by the Small Business Administration. It's probably one of the more time-consuming and more stringent loans, but it's a 10-year loan that can be used to acquire a business, uh, to start a business if it's an SBA-approved franchise, uh, to help you consolidate debt, to help you buy a building, and... um, help you buy equipment and so it's a much larger loan typically and it's a longer term loan. right that's that's an sba loan. a term loan is a loan that anybody can get not just business owners and all that goes off of is your personal credit and your provable income and those instead of being you know 10 years those are anywhere from three to five years and they're not nearly as stringent again you can do one of those in let's say three to five business days Next, you have what's called, you know, a line of credit. Line of credit is going to be based on, and most, most, what I would say, underwriting guidelines are all going to be based around four factors. Okay, it's going to be someone's credit. When I say credit, I mean their personal credit and their business credit. It's going to be based on their time in business. It's going to be based on their cash flow, and it's going to be based on their profitability. So when you look into a line of credit. A line of credit is saying, hey, Brandon, you know what? I love your business. Uh, I'm going to give you a $50,000 line of credit. And it's going to be, let's say, an 18-month or uh, a 36-month line of credit. And you can log in, draw to that. So all that means is that you can go in and tap into and draw those funds. Your, your, your payment is going to be based on how much you draw. And it's scheduled to pay out if it's a 36-month line of credit. It's scheduled to pay out, pay off in 36 months. Now, let's say you draw 15000 You're only being charged on that 15000 And the payment is only structured on that 15000 And let's say you go another six months and you have this opportunity to buy all this inventory or start this new marketing campaign. Well, you probably paid down a good chunk of that line of credit. And let's just say you want to pull 30,000. Well, you pull the 30,000 on that day. And now that 30,000 is structured to pay back 36 months from when you paid. All right. So a line of credit is very, very useful. It helps you build business credit. And truly, I believe every single entrepreneur, every single business should have a line of credit. And the reason being is it's going to help you build your business credit. It's going to give you access to cash when you need it. It's going to help in case of emergencies. You, you always want that set up prior to. You never want to have an emergency and then try to get a line of credit. And also, it's really great for short-term use, marketing, supplies, inventory, adding to your team, anything that you do on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. So that's basically a line of credit in a nutshell. Then you have equipment finance. Let's say you want to go buy uh, a truck or a piece of machinery, all right? Instead of coming out of pocket cash, you can get that invoice for that piece of equipment, send it to somebody like my company, 
And then we'll work on getting it financed over three to six years with monthly payments. The benefit of that is you have more time to pay it off, right? You're building your business credit and you're building what's called comparable debt. Comparable debt is just debt that shows that you have, you know, been able to successfully be an approved and pay for similar type items under your business. And there's a, and you can write off the interest. So that's equipment financing in a nutshell. And then invoice factoring. Invoice factoring is really for any company that is business to business or business to government. That is net 15, net 30, net 45. And let me explain. So that means I do a uh, job for you, Brandon, and then my work is done and I invoice you. And I say, Brandon, you you can pay me in 30 days. Here's the end. Well, what happens is because now I laid out all the money to do that work, right? I had, I had uh, marketing, I had payroll, I had supplies. I laid out a good chunk of money and now I'm letting you pay me in 30 days. Well, what invoice factoring does is you can submit that invoice to a underwriter and they will pay you anywhere from 85 to 90% of that invoice. And then you, Brandon, would pay, instead of paying me directly, the business owner, you would pay the factor. And then the factor releases that reserve minus the fee. All right. And this is a great program for anyone that's net, again, net 15, net 30, net 45, that is growing and that needs to speed up their cash flow. Right. Because if I keep growing at that pace, let's say I take on 10, or 15 more jobs that month, I'm laying out more and more money and the cash is not there for me to cover those expenses on the future work. So that's another great program. Uh, and then working capital lines, those are just, uh, they're the easiest to get approved, they're the most expensive and, the, and they're short term. Try to steer clients away from those, but sometimes people need the, you know that type of program too. So those are really a lot of the options that, uh, you know, we help clients work with uh, to grow. Does that make sense? Do you have any questions? Yeah. yeah, no, I I, I I, love that you outlined that for us because I don't think, I think most of us haven't even gone that far to understand the differences. Uh, and so I think having the base level knowledge, knowledge helps set the stage for this conversation. What I want to get into is the realities of when, you do versus don't get a loan, how that affects your business. Because I think the first question for me is, should everyone who's starting a business get a loan or are there reasons that you would wait in some cases? That's a great question. And I think debt is always going to be cheaper than equity. Okay, have this discussion a lot. Explain. If you borrow money to start a business or you borrow money for your business to grow, Yes, you're going to pay that money back. But if I say, hey, Brandon, let's partner up. And then our values aren't aligned. Our work ethic isn't aligned. And I give you, let's say, 30% of the company. Well, what will happen is eventually me and you are going to argue. There's going to be tension. So you're dealing with that level of stress. Let's say the company is very successful. Well, I'm paying you 30% of the profit for, for life unless I buy you out. Right? So that's why debt is always cheaper than equity and you have less stress. Um, now, whether you should or shouldn't take 
financing, there's a couple things to consider. One, is the amount, is the payment, right? Let's say I'm gonna do equipment finance and I need a, uh, we'll go with, let's say a mechanic shop. Let's say I need to go finance a tire, tire balancer, an alignment rack and a new lift. It's gonna be 40,000. Let's say for me to borrow that 40,000, it's going to cost me $2,000 a month. All right, adding those pieces of equipment how much revenue, how much additional revenue am I going to bring in on a monthly basis? If I can do an extra, let's say, $7,000 a month with new services and I can see more cars. Well, from a cash flow perspective, all right, I'm bringing in $7,000 and I only have to pay $2,000. So I have free cash flow of $5,000. So it pays for itself. Now, let's say it's an interest rate of 10% over five years. Over the course of time, me borrowing forty thousand, let's say it costs, I don't know, fifty-two thousand. So, you know, you have that twelve thousand dollars in cost. Well, first off, that's a right. You can write that interest off. Second, if I'm making an extra seven thousand dollars a month, and the profit on that seven thousand is let's say three thousand, well, it paid for itself the cost in four months. Does that make sense? So you want to compare the increase in cash flow. You know, you want to compare the cash flow to the payment, and then you want to compare the cost to your return on investment. And if you're in marketing, you obviously know all about return on investment, right? So for every dollar, how many dollars, for every dollar I spend, how many dollars am I getting back? Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing is, you know, it's a trade-off between like you can, you are decreasing your profitability but you're multiplying the amount of money you're making, you know, right. which, you know, that's a trade-off I think a lot of people would take, you know, do you want one customer or a hundred and is that worth losing, you know, 10% or whatever it is for every customer that you're, you're bringing in. And so I think, yeah, if you're thinking about scaling in anything, then you might need a way to get there. So I think that absolutely makes sense to me. The last factor is opportunity cost. Let's say you own that auto repair shop and because you can't do alignments, you're turning, let's say, five clients away a month. Well, those five clients, if, if every single month that those jobs would have added up to, let's say, 200 each, that's $1,000. So you're losing $1,000 a month. So if you sit there and you delay four months because you're thinking about it, that's $4,000 that you missed out on. And then when you think about the average lifetime value of a client, right? If you turn them away and another auto shop down the street blows them away with their service, you might've lost that client for life. So there's a lot of different factors that you want to really measure out when you're, when you're thinking about finance. So I want to go the other way with this. When should people wait? Cause I know there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they have enough funds to just pay their general expenses each month. They're not at a point yet where they have to decide to grow or not. They're just trying to figure all this out. Uh, should they get a loan too? Or is there a point in time where you should wait until something is, you know, like a, a point in the road? Great, great question. If you don't have a line of credit established and you would qualify for a line of credit, you absolutely should secure it because you want to access the fund. In terms of where they are now, 
and when they should get quote unquote a loan. If there's no opportunities and you have a line of credit established and you're in a good cash position, there's no reason to to go out and get a loan. You don't you should never get a loan just to have now. I have a lot of clients that are taking SBA loans now because they realize we are in a recession. And I actually have a, a video and an article out called Bulletproofing Your Business. It's on YouTube. Basically, one of the strategies is you want to build a mode of cash and then have a line of credit set up to get help you get through the next call it 12 to 36 months because we are in a recession. However, let's say you have that cash. I would not go out and just take a loan just to take it. That doesn't that doesn't make sense. Yeah, because you're just paying paying to have access to money. Uh, but you're not using it. What I think does happen though, and I, I'm curious what your perspective is on this, because I, I see this all the time uh, and I've been guilty of it, is you know we have access to cash. We're hesitant to use it. So we, we have credit cards, business bank accounts and whatever. So we start paying with credit cards just to, we could pay the credit card off, but we're like, oh, we might just want to have the cash flow available to use. So you start not paying your credit card and you say, okay, I'm going to, I mean, you pay the minimum or whatever it is. So you start amassing this, you know, credit card bill that you could pay off, but you don't because you want the cash flow. Is this a situation where you should have been using your line of credit or a loan instead of paying these high interest rates of credit cards? Man, I am so glad that you, that is such a thoughtful question drives me crazy. So if you have a lot of uh, credit card debt, if that compounds and gets very expensive, credit cards are amazing because it helps you track expenses, you get points, and it gives you a free 30 days of float. Meaning if you pay it off uh, on the statement date, right, or when it's due in full, you're not being charged anything, right? People, I've seen a lot of business owners get in trouble because they don't do that, like you said. I think it's very, very important that one, you track what goes on the card. Two, you pay it off in full. And if you can't pay it off in full, you want to be able to pay that down as quick as humanly possible. Um, now, would you ever want to, let's say, pay it down with a credit card? Uh, maybe pay down credit cards with a line of credit? Uh, if you feel it would save you money, yes, absolutely. Um, but I don't, I, it really scares me when business owners get in trouble with credit cards. And a lot of people do. And I know a lot of people that have started their business uh, getting those 0% cards. Well, here's the challenge. When you start your business and you're getting those 0% cards, you're actually eventually going to weigh down your credit, right? And decrease your credit score because you're using a lot of your available credit. And so from a operational standpoint, that will limit your options down the line when you need to get a loan or get equipment financing or open a line of credit. So always be very, very careful with how much you have out on credit cards and always try to pay them off at the end. To give specific details on, hey, should I do this or should I do that? It really comes down to uh, the individual based on where their business is, where their credit is, and kind of what their expenses look like and how much credit card debt they've racked up. But that's a great question. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I, I think that that's a useful perspective in terms of you know things to think about when you're actually in reality doing these things. Because I don't think it's an uncommon story. I think it's the, the easy solution. And I think we take that a little bit too often. So when someone's thinking about, okay, I've, I've heard you guys talk, I'm going to 
get out there and at least establish some of these things. What are some of the things that we need to be thinking about before we start applying for any type of financing? How do we get our ducks in a row, so to speak? I, you want to dig into the four pillars of financing. Four pillars of credit, time of business, cash flow, profitability. So one, everyone should monitor their personal credit and their business credit. You can use a wide variety of tools, all right? Uh, you want your personal credit at 680 is like the bare minimum for an SBA loan. 650 is the bare minimum for a line of credit. Ideally, you want to be 700 plus. I know that's not realistic for some people, but you want to monitor your credit. Next, your business credit. You want to actively build that. And um, I have a lot of information on YouTube about that. But you want to actively build your business credit because it will help you when you need a larger amount of money, an SBA loan, or equipment finance. So that's the first step. The second, time and business. It's something that you really can't control. But the way it works in an underwriter's eyes, the longer you've been in business, the less risky you are to lend to. Under a year is exceedingly risky. Under two years is, is risky. Over two years, most programs would be available. The reason I always mention time in business is because people do have a habit of making a mistake. And what they'll do is instead of, let's say they want to do a name change. Well, they'll change the whole entity, right? And so you're restarting your time in business as opposed to just changing the DBA. All right. You want that tax ID and those tax returns to show as long as possible that you've been in business. And it does get tricky if it's the same type of, business, but, uh, but you change the uh, corporation, there are ways to tie it together, but you have to let whoever you're working with know that. And even if that's the case, some banks uh, will still view it as a reset. So that's why I mentioned that. Now, the other part is cash flow. And a lot of people don't understand some basic cash flow principles. One, when I say cash flow, they're talking about how much is going into your business bank account every single month. Two, how consistent is that? Is it trending down? That's a bad thing. Is it steady? That's okay. Is it is it increasing? That's great if it's increasing. Uh, or is it very inconsistent? One month you're doing 100,000, the next month you're doing 50, then you're doing 300,000. That's a little bit trickier to underwrite, okay? Then they want to see how many deposits are going in the bank account. And when you think about that, why would an underwriter care? Well, an underwriter would care because if he sees a lot of deposits going in there, that shows that you have a lot of transactions, which shows you have a lot of clients. So if you lose two clients, it's not the end of the world. It's consistent. Versus if you have, let's say, three deposits a month. Okay, that really shows you may have three clients or you don't go to the bank law. And if that's the case, let's say you lose a client or two, well, your business is down 60%. So that's a, that indicates risk. And then it matters how much money is coming in the bank every month versus how much is leaving the bank. Is it a net positive cash flow or is it a net negative cash flow? And then it's average daily balances. Rule of thumb, if you are operating a business and you're doing $100,000 a month, you want to keep between 5 and 10% of your monthly average in your account at all times, meaning 5,000 to 10,000. 
at that level. If you're doing 50,000 a month, 2,500 to 5,000. That shows that you, you maintain good balances. And the other part of it is you don't want negative days. You don't want uh, overdrafts. That hurts the underwriting process. Uh, so that's that's when I speak cash flow, that's a big factor in getting certain things approved. And then the last one is profitability. Now, don't get me wrong. I know every business owner, nobody wants to pay taxes, right? Like that's the truth. However, you can't, if you're writing it down to zero and you're trying to sell your business, it's not going to be as valuable. If you're writing it down to zero and you're trying to borrow for an SBA loan or for a, a large piece of equipment, it, it doesn't show that you can afford that payment, right? So the more you can claim, the more valuable your business is. And let's just say you want to meet somewhere in between where, hey, you want to you want to have the availability to uh, or the option to apply for, you know, a larger amount of financing for every forty five thousand dollars in profit you claim on your tax return. You can usually get about three hundred and fifty thousand over 10 years from the SBA. Right. That's a good rule of thumb. And you're not going to pay that much uh, on forty five thousand profit as opposed to writing it to zero. So that's those are really what determine what programs you can qualify for and and your rates. So I hope I, I'm sure there may be some follow up questions there, but shoot. Yeah, no, I, I think that that I, it's great hearing a number because people don't always give you a number to aim for. So knowing that, you know, we all have expenses, right? But knowing that like, if you want to get a loan in the future that you can work towards a number like 45,000 in profitability to get a larger loan like that, I think that's that's hugely important to see because not everyone's gonna know that. Uh, especially if you're thinking, we are now out of the building phase and we're in the growth phase. So these are, it's a different way to, to tweak your, your perspective. So I think that that's hugely valuable. I know companies like yours, you have, it's called integrated business financing.com. If you guys haven't been there, check it out. Uh, you guys help people with this stuff all the time, but I'd like to hear how you approach it and how that's different than going to a bank. We approach it completely differently. We approach it almost like a consultant or advisory. So when you go into a bank, they either, they have probably a, a loan. Some of them are not SBA process uh, processors, meaning they're going to give you their loan, maybe not an SBA loan. Some can, but most won't. And they don't have the scope of knowledge and, and program offerings, right? So it, it's yes or no on a loan. They're not really incentivized to get you that loan and get it to you quickly. Whereas with us, we have all those programs we mentioned. So what we typically do is we do a soft credit pull, we do a business credit pull, we have we review bank statements, payment processing statements, and we do a complete strategy session and analysis. We have the same software that a bank utilizes to analyze cash flow. We put it in an Excel sheet, and then I would send it to you before we even start working on any programs, and then I would ask you some very high-level questions. Right. So I'd say, Brandon, hey, you got a 720 credit score. That's great. Your business credit came in at a, a 65, which is good. This is what your cash flow looks like. I think this is what could be available to you. Talk to me a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish. And then I would recommend what program. And then I would go within my network, 
with and work with my underwriters to get that program signed off and to help you grow. And then in, in addition to that, I probably review certain things like, hey, if I notice you're paying too much with your payment processing, I would say, hey, Brandon, I just noticed that, you know, you're at a 3% or you're using uh, Stripe or PayPal and you're, you're at 3.5%. Well, if you work with one of our vendors here, I could get you down to, let's say, 2.5%. Or I could make it so, you know, you pass the fee to your client. And then in that way, you're going to save an extra twenty dollars or $30,000 a year. So for us, we really just want to see our clients win, put them in the best possible position. And so we do a complete analysis and then we work on anything that they need. Now, if I set, saw that you had challenging credit, I would say, all right, Brandon, here's the, here's the game plan. We're going to get you, you know, this type of program, but I want you to speak to um, one of my partner trifecta here and they're going to work on your personal credit and we'll work on your business credit because this time, let's say you pay that off and now your credit boost, you got the credit boost and you got the business credit boost, a whole new scope or range of programs would open up, you know, and call it three, six, nine months. And that would obviously put you in a much different place from a lending standpoint and from a growth standpoint. Yeah. I th- I'm a big fan of agencies and agents in general. I mean, which to me is just the person in between you and the person selling something. You know, if you're trying to buy an insurance policy and you go just to one company, you're not going to usually get the best rate. You talk to the person, the agent that talks to all the companies, suddenly you get better options. Like I go to Expedia to look at travel because they show me 30 different costs from all the different providers. uh, And that helps. And then, you know, their own model, there's a whole other conversation about how those models are built. But uh, having a person that you can talk to and ask your questions to also is super valuable. So it's not something I've thought of in this financing space, and but it I could see the value there, just like I would see it, you know, from a marketing perspective. You talk to a marketing agency or anything along those lines. You name it. There's usually someone who has the expertise to help guide you, especially when you have a lot of questions, to figure out what the choice is for you and what would make sense for you. I think it's hugely valuable. So I'm glad that we've gotten to to dive into some of that today. I know you guys also have uh, a coaching program. What do you guys do there? Because uh, I'm confused as to how that how that's built and what they're using there versus just working with you directly. So let me back up by saying, you know, my mission is just to support small business. The reason I care so much about that is when we help a business owner, not only are we helping his family, we're helping the employees, their family, and we're helping that surrounding community. They're getting jobs, they're getting great services. And the last two years, it's been a war on small business. And so a lot of what I'm seeing, because I've been doing this for the past 15 years, is the same repeatable mistakes over and over and over with entrepreneurs. And hey, I'm guilty of it. I run multiple different businesses. This is my primary, but I run multiple different businesses. And if I can provide the right education, right resources to put people in the best possible position, that's what we want to do. I I made that coaching program stupid cheap. It's like $197 a month. Okay. The only reason why I did that was not stupid and cheap, but stupid. like really cheap. Stupid cheap. Yeah, like stupid cheap. <laughs> like stupid cheap intentionally. <laughs> because I what I did was I got a vetted experts 
Okay, we are not the people in that coaching group are not business coaches, right? A lot of people coach. Every single person in there has a company that is ex is an expert in their field. So we have business financing, we have payment processing, we have credit repair, we have business credit. Okay, we have branding. All of those people are basically volunteering their time to add value in that group, to do live training calls, to dissect businesses. And we have like a course catalog. So the goal is people go in there, they learn everything they can, they set up their business and hey, you get discounts with these vetted, you know, vetted professionals and we're just going to help you grow. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. If you're trying to support small business, that's the way to do it is through education. So they don't have to step on the same minefield or minds over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that could be used, uh, definitely useful. You mentioned your mission that, you know, leading into that. And I'm curious, kind of, if you take us back a little, how did you get into all of this? What brought you into this world and set you on this path? Oh man. Um, I was actually trading on Wall Street. You know, I always wanted to work on Wall Street. It's uh, It was a legacy type of thing. Like my parents, my family was on there. I realized I hated it. And I hated the commute. And I got recruited. I started as an underwriter in a fintech company. I hated underwriting. But it had me understand cash flow and small business. I only did it for six months. Then I went to sales. And then I started running a department. And basically, I consulted for a lot of fintech companies. And what I realized was the banks aren't doing it right. The fintech companies aren't doing it right. They have very limited options. So when I built my firm, I built it to be client-focused. So analyze where they are, understand what their challenges are, give them a roadmap for growth, roadmap to solve these challenges, and connect them with the right programs to do that. And that's what we've done. I love what I do. I enjoy it. And, you know, what people don't understand is, you know, 50 years ago, most people owned their own business. We Small business still represents the majority of what this country does. If we lose small business, we lose who we are as a country. Right. So my mission goes a lot deeper than, you know, just surface level. Small business provides a lot of jobs to whatever community they serve. You know, would you rather shop at a big, you know, big change your whole life? Or you, you understand there's a different level of service and a different level of uh, relationship when you are working with a smaller business. So that's that's kind of my, my story. Yeah. Um, well, and you see, and that's like your experiences, but it seems like you have a lot of heart for this too. Where do you think that comes from? Uh, I, I don't know. I am passionate about it. I, I care about people. I care about, you know, communities. And, and I think small business is a big driver in, in a lot of communities. And I also think that when you help a small business, like as a small business owner, you make a much larger impact on all your employees. So if you're teaching them the right way, if you're, you know, leading from the front, you can make a much bigger and greater impact in their lives and then they can pass that down. So I think like leading by example is very, very important. And I think if more small business owners realize the type of impact they can have in their local communities, I think, you know, the world would not be such a crazy place. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. As we're kind of coming towards the back end of the interview here, I'm 
curious, uh, what are you excited about uh, going like today and going forward? Could be in business or personal. I'm excited about building and, and you know building my companies. Really, that's that's what drives me. That's what motivates me. That and my you know getting to spend time with my family and my kids. It's it's interesting to see how the next call of twelve to twenty four months will play out. It looks like it's a we're in for a very uh, a, a lot of ups and downs, if you will, you know. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how I see the next you know twelve build, educate, build, educate, and uh, you know make the biggest impact it can. Yeah, no, I I think that those are I think definitely good way to to think about the future and if they're i mean being realistic about what's coming is -hmm. important i think that gives me a kind of one last question that i i want to kind of put to you which is as you're looking at what's you know the reality of the the world we're going to be living in what are some watch outs or some mistakes that we should kind of keep an eye on to avoid to keep ourselves prepared going into you know we were in a feast for years you know into a more realistic marketplace what is what's some advice or some things to look out for um, if you could talk to our audience today? It, from an individual standpoint or an entrepreneur standpoint? Or both? both? Uh, yeah, both or either. Yeah. Okay. So one, it's always a great idea. This this will speak from a personal level. One, try to pay off all types of bad debt and have sufficient cash reserves, right? And also hard assets. Hard assets are great, especially in tough times. So your house, uh, your car, anything like that. Hard assets, you know, gold, silver, plenty of cash reserves, pay off, pay down any of the credit cards or any of the crazy debt that you have. Uh, I think that's that's very, very helpful. It's very useful. Make sure that your credit is up because in tough times, you know, you want to be able to access cash to do that. Try to you know, try to eliminate or reduce as many expenses and unnecessary expenses as possible. Okay. From a business side, we briefly touched on the four pillars, but make those four pillars as strong as humanly possible. If you're not in a great cash position, I have a quick SBA loan, and I don't care if you go through me or not. Go through something, just get in a really good cash position and open up a line of credit. Next, go through the last three months of your business spend. See what you don't need. Okay. Cut it. Marketing. Marketing is huge. If it has a positive ROI, pour more money into it. If not, you need to keep flipping that switch until you find things that are actually driving that return for you and keep on it. In addition to this, and I have these articles posted, guys. Please read them. And then if you guys have questions, see me. But customer retention. Okay. Figure out how you can build better relationships with your clients. Always strive to over deliver because if you do that, you're gonna, if they have an incredible experience, you're gonna turn one client into two, two and four, four and eight. Guess what? You're not marketing for that client. You're not spending money for that client. You're just over delivering, over serving. Word of mouth will beat out any marketing campaign you could ever do. All right. Next, look for partnerships. Okay. What do I mean? by partnerships who serves your client and do they match your core values right you guys align with your core values how do you create a win-win-win one of my core values right so i want it to be a win for my partner a win for their client and a win for us 
look to establish as many of those as possible because that'll decrease your, uh, you know, your cost per acquisition. And then you want to do this and repeat this and then as much content as humanly possible, right? That's education. All right. When you help people, there's a law of reciprocity. I can't even say that word, but uh, when you help people, they want to help you. That's how human nature is. So as much education as you could put out there and build your brand as, hey, I'm the go-to expert in this, I think that will help you get through this next, call it 12 to 24 months. And you know what? Anyone that you know gets through that and is running and operating like this, the amount of market share and the growth that you're going to have when we get out of this is going to be substantial. All right. So look at it as an opportunity. Don't look at it as doom and gloom. It is an opportunity. That's that's what I would uh, advise. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think I think that's sage words for everyone there. Look at even the business financing guy says your brand matters. You know, there are things you should be investing in. But what I love is that you're saying like, let's look at the things that we're actually spending money on. And you might have to say what matters, what's what's actually building versus not. This isn't the time to spend money frivolously. Uh, on a gambit. There might be things that you know you need to just get back to what is actually building your business. Uh, I think all that's super helpful and useful. I love this last little bit of our conversation, especially. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. You had you had probably some of the most detailed questions I've ever had on a show when it comes to lending, and, and they were very thoughtful. I really appreciate that. Well, that's just curiosity there. That's that's me not educated in this space, but I hope that a lot of the audience feels the same way. Uh, and I was a vessel for, for those questions for them. Uh, but thank you for sharing all that with us today. And if you guys haven't already paused and gone to check Jonathan Fedora out, go to integratedbusinessfinancing.com or look that up or his name on YouTube to find some of those helpful videos and resources. And as always, thank you for tuning in and we will catch you next time. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to help you build a brand that matters. Head over to BrandsOnBrands.com for resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit BrandsOnBrands.com.